Hello, welcome to another episode of Story Screen Presents. This is Freaking Out with Flanagan, the show where we talk about all things Mike Flanagan. We're working our way through his TV and filmography. We're kind of skipping around a bit. Um, I'm your host today, Diana DeMuro. I am joined by the sleepy peepee Michael Burge. Hello, I am Zonked. And the always a pleasure Tim Irwin. Hello. Yeah, back for round two after our stellar Hill House episode. If you haven't listened to that, pause this, go back, listen to that first. It's a lot of fun. So this is not the only podcast. We have a host of other shows on Story Screen Presents, our podcast channel. Check it out on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have TV shows. We have hot takes. We have over drinkers with old movies and shows. We have fun episodes that came out recently where Mike and Tim are talking about some comic booky 90s movies, some fun ones like Dark Man. I love. And uh, go on over to our website, storyscreenpresents.com, and click on the content tab, and you can read all of the reviews and articles that myself, Bernadette Gorman-White, Rhea Banerjee, Damian Masterson churn out on the regular. And there's also a lot of good older articles from some other writers on there, too. So before we get going, a couple of Warnings, this is not spoiler free. So we're going to be talking about Bly Manor today. And the, who dies. And who dies. And many people die. And who's a ghost. Uh, so if you have not watched The Haunting of Bly Manor, then turn this off. Go home. <laughs> Stop listening. Stop listening. Leave it's on, a five-star review. Thank it's, you. It's on Netflix. Tell us you like us, and uh, we'll see you later. Because we're going to spoil some stuff, and we're going to spoil it from the beginning. So without further ado, we're going to get into some Bly Manor, uh, the second in the haunting series, and, the, and that's it, because he actually didn't want to do a second one, but Netflix put a lot of pressure on him. After the popularity of The Haunting of Hill House, we've got Fall of the House of Usher coming out this fall or soon? Sooner? I think it goes uh, I think it's fall. This... Yeah. Fall? Yeah. That's what I, think... I thought. Yeah. But uh, so that'll also be a little Losa Spookies, but that is not necessarily a third in the series of The Haunting stuff. And yes, if, uh, if you've seen it and you just want a little, you know, a little memory tap... This one is The Turn of the Screw. Mm -hmm. uh, it has some new characters that are not in that book, but this is set in the 1980s and takes place in ye old England versus our, you know, Northeast in America. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a shitload of ghosts in here and there's some creepy fucking children in this they one. Are. Yeah. You know, from the from like episode one, I was like, God, creepy fucking kids. <laughs> so I always forget how creepy the main little girl is, even though she's so yes. sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she sounds like little tiny Tim, but a girl version. Like she's always like, hello, you yes. know, but but she is perfectly so splendid, perfectly splendid. 
ended and I made a voodoo doll of my nanny. You know, there's a lot of dolls and dolls creep Diana DeMiro out a lot. I had a lot of stuffed animals as a kid, but I did not have a lot of dolls. But I, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have any because I did get an American Girl doll when I was of age and they were early on and that was a big fucking deal. But I also got in a really big trouble for trimming her bangs. Damn. But uh, her eyes were always closing all the time. <laughs> and I just wanted them to stay open. I wanted her to wake up, much like Mike Flanagan wants everybody in the series to wake up. So, <laughs> without further ado, let's just do some initial impressions of Haunting of Bly Manor. I'm curious to know what you guys like about this series that is different from Hill House. What we like? Yeah, what you like or um, notice, like impressions that, that really strike the tone or different of Hill House. And then we can also talk about those parallels and similarities sure. to Hill House after. But yeah, there's, let's start with what's different. Yeah, obviously there's like a lot of like similarities between it, even just in like lines of dialogue and themes and uh, ghosts as metaphors of grief and loss and stuff like that. Um, but this one does seem to, again, like we're, we're, we're breaking straight into spoilers and stuff. And it really is that last episode that kind of um, solidifies the metaphors that have been running through uh, the previous eight episodes or seven, if you don't count like the flashback one, which also kind of helps to kind of unravel the the web of like what's going on gives it context for yeah. sure and it's you know it's the line that it's like it wasn't a ghost story it was a love story well those are kind of the same thing and it's this idea of you know if the events that scarred us as children in haunting of hill house are you know these things that we have to like be able to move beyond and work together uh to be able to uh be well um, this one kind of like proposes the idea that like ghosts are, you know, the me more memories than, than, uh, metaphors of grief and memories are the thing that can like bind us to, uh, sadness or to happiness, all these things. There's the whole idea of being tucked away. And, uh, when, when, when the kids or somebody is like taken over by a ghost, they're tucked away. And they're tucked away into previous memories where they're just kind of running through the memories until maybe they realize like, wait, this already happened. I didn't look like this when this happened. We weren't in this room when this happened, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So yeah. I like the idea that it's it's kind of um, I like Hill House more than Bly Manor, mm. but like it's it's very close because they're also while they're very similar, they're also very different in kind of execution. And I would say the thing that I probably like more about Blind Manor than Hill House is the is that idea of like the similarities between love and death and uh, and by that nature, just like sadness and happiness that can come from love and ghosts and different types of ghosts that can come from death. Like we see a lot of ghosts, not just in the background in Blind Manor, just like we did in Hill House, but we also see a lot of like um ghosts just like kind of hanging out and we kind of get like very brief backstories on them but they're kind of just hanging out like they're not being nefarious a lot of the ghosts in Bly Manor are not really 
uh, fucking around with everybody too much except for <laughs> one. The ghosts in Hill House, almost all of them are just like, we're up to no good. You know, mm-hmm. the the ghosts that operate in Blind Manor. I mean, he Blind just Manor, wanted his hat back. He just wanted his hat back, yeah. <laughs> the ghosts that operate in Blind Manor more or less just kind of operate as memories either unto themselves, just kind of standing around being like, well, this sucks. I don't like this. Well, the ghosts in Bly have a lore that they are stuck there. Right. Mm-hmm. But we, there don't, are also, we don't really know if the Hill House ghosts are totally stuck there all the time or not. Well, we talked about it in the Hill House episode where it's like the rules of like the ghosts, yeah. if you want to call them rules because they're, they're never like completely solidified because like who would you ask that mm-hmm. question that would give a definitive answer. It's just more like yeah. inferred from like, oh, this is what's been going on and this is what somebody's saying. So I guess that's it. In Blind Manor, you die on the property, you stay there. Mm-hmm. And we find out it's because of like this magnetic pull from the tragedy of Viola's death, who's the lady in the lake, is kind of keeping everybody there um, because her whole thing is that she was a very determined, very, um, uh, not cruel's not the word, but very, uh, Demanding? Uh, demanding, uh, very um, uh, stern, very uh, unwilling to waver in the sense of what they want to do, uh, which is admirable in one way, but then like in death, like just like literally refuses to move on. Sure. And a just girl won't boss. go. A girl boss. Refuses to die, and when she finally does die, refuses to move on and ends up anchoring everybody down and in hill house it's more like the house is like a d an entity i want you mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. the ha- the blind manor is not an entity in this no. it's more the grounds and yeah. the lady in the lake in there is what's doing it whereas hill house like the the hill house itself is um is is, is the girl boss in, yeah. in that regard <laughs> it's just like i wish to consume you and eat you in this little cute little room um, nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Th- th- that's more or less like what I really like is like the treating ghosts as memories in that sense, because we have another ghost in here too that we'll get to, which is one of my favorite parts of the show, which is the ghost that's haunting Danny. Sure. Which did not die on the property, is not actually there in the sense of the other ghosts' mm-hmm. spirits are stuck there. It's the ghost, it's the memory that's haunting her. And is following her around. And then that kind of combines with what's going on at Bly Manor and what's been happening there for a very, very long time into the final episode, which kind of combines those two things. Of sure. Ghosts as memories and what those do to you. I think that that's fun. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Timmy? I like that this one is more about interpersonal relationships and not necessarily just family. I think that that's, yeah. that's nice. Um a little bit more relatable if you don't have like a, a crazy weird family. Um, and <laughs> I think I think this one, I with Hill House, I always am sort of nostalgic for the first time I watched Hill House. Because totally. that one is so, it's so technically impressive and has such crazy twists and turns in it. Whereas this one, I think every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. And it, it, one of the cool things about the way that everyone is sort of uh, time is a flat circle of it all, it, like stuck in their own memories. And like when they're, they're trapped in these loops of memories, when you watch it multiple times, it kind of you you get that vibe better. Where like when you watch episode one for the first time, it doesn't hit you quite as much because Hannah's alive to you. 
But when you know, like the second watching that Hannah's dead the whole time, it really, it's so much more. It's brutal. Yeah. Because yeah. like there's times where you're like, wait, right now she was already dead? Oh yeah, yeah. she was already, oh. Yeah. It just hits, it hits differently. And it's, it's cool that it works like that, you know, whereas like just the more you watch it, the more you get stuck in the time loop of it all. And it doesn't really matter what episode you start on. You could start on, you know, episode three and and then finish up at two or just start from the beginning. Like it's great. It's really cool that way. It is. I was looking at, I rewatched the last episode last night um, just to like kind of refresh myself up and just cried my eyes yeah, out again. Yeah, me, it's me just, too. It's, it's so. just so, it's, it's, it's that perfect level of cinematic manipulation, which is, you know, why I love Spielberg so much is that he's, he has this huge sensibility for sentimentality and combining music, how things are shot, performances, like the music in this, as soon as it kicks up, you're just like, God damn it, I'm gonna mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking cry. <laughs> and then you just got like, you know, um the actress who plays Danny, uh Victoria Pedretti. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, um played uh Nell in in the first one mm-hmm. in, in Hill House. She's just so good at just like holding things back and just trying to like hide how they're feeling and then it just erupts and she's got yeah. this the gigantic mouth, mouth. yes yeah, and it's it just like, like ah, and yeah. just like, yeah. starts crying it's the it's the lip quiver yeah. the mm-hmm. the mouth the yeah exactly it's just like, and even as she's saying things that she's insanely confident about and why she feels the way that she feels she's still uncertain it's just like a really good like meeting of like writing performance and how it's shot and what's happening in the mood, how it's blocked. Um, and it, it it's just like moments like that throughout the show. It's like, you know, y- y- you couldn't have picked a better um, a, a better puddin than Rahul Cooley mm-hmm. to play um, uh, Hannah's like love interest. Like, oh. who's the guy that you would just really love this person to end up with because they're such little cutie pies together. (laughs) And then the way he portrays Hannah's like inner self when she's in her memories where it's like he's technically her, but also the memory of himself, but from her point of view. Yeah. Like it's that kind of stuff that really you care about the characters and that's why it's so heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. especially on the second time. Mm -hmm. I definitely was going to say like, one of the things that I most love about Bly are these these new characters and new members of the now, you know, Flaniverse for future ensemble acting, like Raul Coley, Tania Miller, and the actress that plays Jamie, Amelia Eve. Like, they're oh. awesome. Yeah, they're they are. They're so good. Amelia and Eve has, like, one of the best accents ever. I yes. I was and, just like, uh, is this real? Like, Poppins? Yeah. Poppins? And I was, uh, I was reading... No offense. I'm just... I was fun. reading, like, a Tumblr post about casting, and he was saying, like, you know, obviously... Once he meets certain actors, then for future projects, maybe he's thinking of a, of a character that he's tailoring for that actor. And he's done that a lot for Carla Gugino. He's done that a lot for Henry Thomas. Um, he's done that a lot for Kate Siegel. But Mike Flanagan made a point of saying, like, Victoria Pedretti, when she auditioned for Hill House, and Amelia Eve, when she auditioned for Bly, um, in particular, like they were just random people that sent in tapes of themselves, mm-hmm. like of 
they saw like 500 different auditions and the, and those two in particular, he was just like, oh, they just knocked it out of the park. I had never met them. I didn't know anything about them. And it's pretty cool. And I love, he said the same thing for um, Tania Miller, who I just watched on Netflix, The Diplomat with Carrie Russell. And she's just like a bit character in that. But I realize now going back and watching Bly, like she is using her British accent, but she's speaking so clearly. And then in The Diplomat, she's like off the chain with like British accent where (laughs) she's just like, and she's so sexy. Like she's just wearing these like awesome low cut dresses and just being really cheeky and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, get it, girl. I'm like, you are hot. Because I feel like, you know, there's sort of that like dichotomy of her being sort of like house marm in Bly. And then she's very proper. She's very religious. And the idea that her husband didn't die he cheated on her you know so he left her for somebody else but then you have Raul Coley's Owen who is secretly loves her or not so secretly because it's pretty obvious to the rest (laughs) of the staff but I I, kind of love that like their chemistry is my favorite they're so cute it's so good and then like when you get to her episode uh, like her uh, it's heartbreaking because you're like no they could have opened the shop together they They could have gone to France and they they, like revisit that one yeah that one scene by the fire that you're kind of like what's going on with Hannah like the first time you see it where it's like she seems kind of out of it maybe Mm -hmm. she's scared does she know something that we don't know yeah yeah. And then it's revealed. It's just like, no, she's like skipping in and out of memories and, yeah. and is just kind of like, oh, she's already dead. Like, And they're talking about maybe go to Paris, maybe do all that. And then she, there's that heartbreaking moment where she says, yes, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But she's already in the memory, so can't change it. And so it just like everybody just like skips and acts like they didn't even hear what she just said. Yeah. And oh, just like, well, all right. Was, that. Oh, yeah, God, because awful. it's good. She's in the memory and she's like, let's yeah. go right now. Let's leave right now and go. And he's just like, well, I guess I'm going to a better place. And like, does yeah. that joke? Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, wait, no, no. And then that, again, that fucking music starts yeah. up as they walk into the darkness. There's so many times where there's these shots of Hannah standing there and then she just touches the back of her head mm-hmm. and is just like, oh, I'm, I was away for a moment or mm-hmm. something. And you're just like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you or, know, like, or the, the crack. That yes. She, oh God. The yeah. imagery of the fucking crack, like the, in the plaster in the kitchen, in the church. And then when you finally see it. And then on rewatch, seeing that, and you're like, no, oh, no, oh, man, oh, no, that's not cool. That's so not cool. It's terrible. You're like that little fucking kid being mm-hmm. possessed by mm-hmm. beautiful but dickwad Peter. Yeah. But you can't um, even feel that bad, or you can't even hate Peter that much, because his story is also devastating. Peter's story is so devastating. I got that more on the second watch, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remembered him being like a little... Uh, you know, a little scallywag. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he's he has some evil moments. He's so mean, even when he's, he's alive. He's selfish. In some of them. Yeah. yeah, he's selfish. But it's like it's not like he's. There's... He's got that great thing where he talks about keys, and he's just yeah. like he knows he knows how to get what he wants out of people. Like he's a grifter. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like where he's coming from, and he's entering this kind of like. Uh, higher end life that maybe he doesn't belong in, but he's like kind of faking it till you make it kind of thing and just trying to get out of there. And just like, I feel like I just, the first time I watched it, I didn't put as much 
weight onto um, what we see of him and his mom in that yeah. movie. Yeah. I think I just never really kind of connected the dots in just like... That performance is devastating. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it, where it's just like, oh, this guy like can never escape the memory of where he came from. Yeah. And no one will ever let him do that. And he's kind of coming to the realization of that. And he's like, the only way that I can do this is to just run away. But I don't know how. And then he meets this person that he genuinely has feelings for in his way. Yeah. Um, And he's just like, well, we can just steal money from these people. They've got more than enough. It's not going to matter. This guy doesn't even fucking care. He's getting drunk every day. Like, he's why checked can't out. I just take some of this money and go like start a real life? You know, that's technically what he just wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he seems to be in the best place, even though he's committing a crime. He seems to be in the best place right before he dies. Yeah. Like he's like, I am. He's gotten his shit together, so to speak. Slightly altruistic, let alone kind of selfish for the two of them plan that he's hatching. But he does genuinely seem like the way he even talks to the kids right before that moment that the lady in the lake grabs him is kind of like the nicest and most genuine he's been to the kids up until that point. Like he's always been nice to Flora and Miles, but he's also been a bit dismissive. He doesn't really like kids. But he's genuinely like, why are you guys up right now? No, no, no. Go to bed. You guys shouldn't be out right now. Yeah. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Like, he's actually, like, consoling them in yeah, a way. Yeah, he's being protective. And then he just gets killed. And he's like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. I I do love, though, the, the, like, discussion that Jamie and Danny have where Jamie's, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's something like people get love and possession confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like that idea of, you know, it it is it does imprint on your memory a lot more that Peter is possessive, and it's you know potentially because he came from so little. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, the idea of what he feels he's owed because mm-hmm. of his hard work, because of what he puts into the situation, he, he transfers that. He also to doesn't his want relationships. to lose her. Yes, like because he's lost everything. He does. He's like yeah. I'm. It comes from a place of insecurity. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about uh, we Ms. watched Jessel. We watched. Well, no, no. Uh, we watched Tenet recently, and yeah. I was talking about Tim. You've seen Tenet, right? Yeah, it's the same backwards and forwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. We discussed yeah. that previously on another yeah. episode, right? Right. I forgot about that. It's pronounced Tenet backwards. Um, yes. The Kenneth Branagh bad guy in that, like, I was kind of, like, talking about why I find that villain so interesting, even though he's really not dug into too much in the movie because he's kind of, like, this out otherworldly kind of force in the sense of what's going on. And he it's sounds like, ridiculous. He sounds ridiculous. And Kenneth Branagh is just really going for it. Um it, 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 it's this thing of just like, and it's also the same thing with like Thanos and Gamora and stuff like that. It's like this thing of like, love is different to other people. It could be completely toxic and just like absolutely evil and grotesque and possessive and not good at all. But to them, that's all they know how to do. And in Tenet, one of the big kind of hooks without getting too specific for people that haven't seen Tenet, the movie that saved cinema uh, during the pandemic, um, Kenneth Branagh, like, wants to end the world just because if he can't have his wife, then no one can. And then that leads to if he can't have the world, then no one can. And he's abusive to his wife. Um, And he's just like, I'm going to destroy the entire fucking world if I can't have you. And it's this kind of toxic love that they're kind of exploring with Peter where it's like, like what Diana said, like, he's really not known any other version 
of love other than kind of like manipulative and possessive, but he wants to change and he doesn't know how. And he kind of figures the only way to do that is to just absolutely run away where like they'll never be able to find us in America. We can start fresh. We're just going to steal a little money first. Well, I think, yeah, it's that idea of starting fresh and being who you want to be. And he wants to be like um, Henry Thomas's character, but they won't let him. Like, they still kind of remind him that he's just a driver. He's yeah. He doesn't come from money, you know. The ghost of his past. Yeah, Hannah, Jamie, they all kind of look down on him. Even Owen, who's probably nice to him, is, like, trepidatious around him. He's, like, afraid of that temper lashing out. You, you think know? they look down on him? I feel like they just don't trust him. I think that they... I think, well, I maybe look Who's down they? on him is different. Like, I'm thinking Jamie and Hannah, they're like the most suspicious Yes, of they him. don't like oh, him. No. Oh, yeah. People, yeah, not necessarily look down right, like they they're think also they're better. poor. Yeah. You know, more or less, yeah. But they, but they like think he's a thief and a yeah. snake. They I don't more, give him the benefit of the doubt I'm ever. more talking about the outside world. You're talking like, about like... In the yeah. house, people don't like him because of how he's much a little of a shady. fucking shady yeah. asshole yeah. he's acting like. Um, because he is very much like that because he grows over the course of entering Bly and meeting Naomi, but... Naomi? Naomi? Who are you talking Wait, about? Wait, who's the, uh, the first au pair? Bex. Rebecca. Rebecca. Jessica. Rebecca. Miss Jessel. I'm sorry. Um, maybe the actress's name is Naomi? I don't no, know. No, it's Tahira. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm zonked. Uh, it's okay. Mike's not good with names even when you're not zonked. It's cool. okay. Uh... <laughs> The it, it, it's like he's changing over the course of that, but that's in like quieter rooms where people aren't really seeing that. Mm. He's like they're just seeing him kind of being like possessive and explosive. I'm more talking about the hierarchy of the outside world, where it's like he's never going to be able to be anything other than a valet. Yeah. No matter how much he sucks up to Henry Thomas, no matter how much he, how well he dresses, sure. Uh, the the good drinks that he drinks, the watches that he buys, no matter what he tries to do, how he talks and changes his accent, he's never going to be allowed to kind of climb that social hierarchy because of where he's come from. Okay. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of something that like Bex asks him is just like you're just a valet. Like, what do you? And he's like, well, for right now. And she's like, okay, what? What are you doing after that? And that, that's kind of also what Hannah kind of gets at him about, like, because they they also remind him of just like you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you're from right. You might this place like you might yeah. be the right hand man and dress nice, but like they still always will see you as exactly. as the valet. Yeah. Yeah. But he comes to terms with that himself because he that's his sort of argument Yeah, right before he dies. He kind of that's his argument to Miss Jessel to convince her to leave being the au pair. He's like, they view us as the help. Mm -hmm. They're always going to view us as the help. He's never going to give you that tutelage pupilage whatever to become a barrister like you want to be he's like i see you i see your potential let's get the fuck out of here and that's what she wants to hear so that kind of convinces her to go for it but then he gets murdered murdered so yeah yeah damn ghost yeah that damn faceless silly putty face ghost they don't show her enough i think yeah. I think they need to show her more because you get one good kill and then you get the the confrontation with um with the au pair right. uh, Danny and then 
you get the whole episode of her backstory. But if you saw her like two or three more times, just like to, to scare you beyond just the messy footprints and stuff. Yeah. I think I mean, it would have been a little better. There is that coming great, in and out of the water is terrifying. There is that <laughs> great scene earlier on where it's the first time that you actually see her proper in the background. Um, when the kids are trying to distract mm-hmm. Danny because she gets up in the middle of the night to like eat something. Yeah. Mm. And they're trying to distract her and be like, don't turn around. Just like, look, can you go in there and like get us a glass of water? We'd like to stay here. And you just see her walk yes. up the stairs in the background and then like walk back. Yeah. So it's like they're kind of just hinting at there is something there. I think that they could have maybe revealed their hand a little bit earlier, like you're saying. Just, but I get, I get why, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of ghosts in this for being, I guess when you come from Hill House, you do, exp- like, I think that was the biggest thing when I first watched it, is coming from Hill House to this, mm. you expect maybe a little bit more scares or uh, <laughs> ghosts around, and you don't really get a ton of, you get big moments with her, but you don't get a ton of that throughout. Yeah, this story in general is a lot more, like, capital R romantic literature where it's it's like gothic horror where it's less about physical ghosts and scares and like you said it's a little bit more about memory and in tandem with that guilt Mm -hmm. and and then like the relationships and how people have to like learn to accept themselves for what they are whether that's Peter or Danny coming out as gay or like her haunting is is her guilt that she didn't come out to her best friend sooner, you know, and like that she put him through that and then he physically dies because of her inability to, mm-hmm. to be what I mean, he wants her to be. Like, that's my favorite yeah. episode. That's I yeah. think that that episode is just so um, just so emotional and doesn't doesn't um, play the the heart strings like in any manipulative way it's just kind of factual and straight up and you can kind of clock in on what's going on early yeah um which i remember like you know because i I was picking up on stuff like that leading up to that episode in the second watch i remember just kind of being like oh she's gay like in this episode i was like oh yeah okay in the rewatch, there's a moment that she has with the gardener where she like tries to go for her hand, and the gardener's yeah. like, "Oh, I oh, so you're like that, you know?" And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that no, it didn't when, hit the first time I watched. I didn't really oh, realize that's what she was. What see, she meant. Yeah. Diana be queer, so Diana picked up on that right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, so the, like the the, little, the, the like little exchange between Jamie and Danny when she's like, "Hmm." The surprise, and uh-huh. she gets in her, and she's like, "Well, who would have thought? I didn't see that coming." And you're like, "Mm-hmm, mm-hmm," and that was like, "Oh, red flag, red flag, right there, right there." <laughs> I love them. They're so they're like uh, the the sapphic romance of all time. I love them so much. <laughs> oh yeah, they're good. Like that. That's the, I think the stuff between Jamie and Danny is some of my favorite stuff in the show. As much as I love. Hannah, uh, Hannah and Owen. And Owen, yeah. Uh, uh, and I mean, I, 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 we'll get to this in a second too, but I love what Henry Thomas is doing in this. Oh, I fucking okay, love we'll Henry Thomas in, in this one. I think it's, I think it's some banana shit that just his, works. His episode is also yeah, unbelievably sad. Before jumping into that, like the, just the Jamie and Danny stuff, just like the conversations that they have, uh, Jamie's accent is just like so good and just like mm-hmm. makes sense for like what's going on, uh, 
And, you know, like uh, then like the big reveal at the end is that like Carla Gugino has kind of been doing this accent. Kind of. Sort of. Sort of. But we'll talk about that, too, because I have like kind of takes on the the differences in like the last episode that some people are kind of upset about um, that I read about uh, that I'm kind of like, wait, that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Which is like always a fun thing to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's like the stuff with Jamie and Danny, like even removing like that last episode and the kind of entire point of the show and crux of like its metaphors and themes resting on their relationship and what happens to them. I just love like all the interactions that they have yeah. all throughout the yeah. show, just yeah. because they're two amazing actors. Uh, they have really great chemistry on like multiple levels yeah. uh, that just like, it's just kind of like a, a breath of fresh air uh, in this kind of like dismal show. Sure. To like, just kind of have these two people being like cutie pies together. It's the same, again, it's the same with Hannah and Owen or mm-hmm. whenever Owen's cooking and he's just like, Taste the strawberry. Though, too. You're like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, I love him. I like because you have to have moments like that, especially in the kitchen with the kids. Yeah, to kind of further, like later on, be like, well, they don't remember any of the bad stuff, but they remember the good stuff. And yeah. again, that's kind of like our memories as ghosts, and like how we allow them to haunt us and and uh, affect us, like when we're older and we move. Well, that's on. also just like the protection of your own mind. Yes, to either. Either you fixate on the things that traumatize you or you completely forget them because your mind is like, nope, 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 let's uh, put that away. You don't need that anymore. That's some scary shit. (laughs) Before we move on from, I I didn't mean to move us on from Danny's episode too fast, but I just, I love love that he's an anime ghost. I love that so much that he has (laughs) the anime glasses every time. It's so good. I love that. I, I always get like, big Sin City Elijah Wood vibes. Oh, okay. Like that whole, mm-hmm. like, there was black and white, but the only color was, like, the flash of, like, yellow to white over his mm-hmm. little his little beetle round specks, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just like, why would you keep those on your night table? I mean, this no! is... He's my favorite ghost of this show. The the boyfriend? Yeah. Um, I think he's got a name... That they call him like in the tumblers and stuff, and it's like uh, like the like bright eyes ghost or something like that, okay. kind of like bent neck lady. Mm-hmm, well, his mm-hmm. uh, his actual name is Edmund. Like when he's alive, mm-hmm, Edmund. Mm-hmm. He's a little cutie Pretty patootie as a child. Uh, this says Edmund O'Mara. Whoa. Oh shit! He does <laughs> kind of look like an O'Mara too. He could he could pass. Uh, personal friends of ours. Um, I'm sorry. No, you're right. War, uh, warring clans of the Hudson Valley. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I love. I just love the design of it. I love how it's used throughout the first few episodes before it's revealed what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love like the rules of yeah. that ghost, like with Mirror. the mirrors and yeah. reflections, which comes up later uh, with how Danny perceives um, the uh, you know the, 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 the ghost of dying. I almost <laughs> I almost called her the bent neck lady. The bent neck lady. No, yeah, no, the, it, it is the, kind of like like she that. she is the lady of the lake essentially, yes. but in a bad way, not King Arthur. <laughs> uh, lady in the lake uh, and King Arthur made some controversial decisions too. I mean, sure. we could talk about that on another podcast if you want, but you know, <laughs> one could say that it was all her fault what happened, but you know, we don't mm. have to go there. Mm. It was all Merlin's fault. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Merlin fucked up hardcore throughout that throughout those stories. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, you can watch the BBC straight to TV series Merlin starring Sam Neill. Ooh, wow. fun. That's Great a good show. Fucking TV movie. <laughs> it's like four hours long. Anyway. All right. Okay. 
Okay. So when we're talking about, I know we've touched on a lot of it, but just some of those parallels and similarities between the the first haunting Hill House and now this. I kind of, right before we jumped on here, I, I sent you guys that um, Tumblr post that someone had done that uh, Mike Flanagan reshared where it's like mm-hmm. all the all the gifts where it's like straight dialogue that is repeated. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of those end up being themes that are repeated, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I was just, you know, there's some fun ones. Like the fact that you kind of hear Hannah almost say the rest is confetti is pretty yeah. awesome. Well, and then, so, so then is is the, is there an FCU? Is the Hill House happening at it's the, the same time? Yeah, the yeah. It's the Flanniverse. Yeah, it's the Flanniverse. I just thought it's just different. It's just different multiverses. Yeah. Everything's a multiverse. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, like the, the concepts of I can fix it. I can fix this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the idea of dead doesn't mean gone. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that's a big multiverse thing, too. If anybody here has seen The Flash, they know that dead doesn't mean gone. You can still just put those motherfuckers in your movie. <laughs> Fucking digging into gra- grave diggers over there. <laughs> Gee, I can't believe they're doing it. It's oh, nuts. man. I won't get specific. I still haven't seen it. I just... Oh. Uh, uh, the Flash. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Dropped that. Dropped 73% in its second week. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. Insane. Interesting. I guess what I what I like that is different about this, but I guess they kind of touch on it in Hill House with the whole, like, the theme of funeral parlors and, like, the preparation of a body and things like that. Like, I really do like that aspect of Hannah talking about you know, funerals are really for the living. And like mm-hmm. the, this idea of like what is done for the person that gets left behind mm-hmm. versus like what is done for the actual person who died. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got, and you've got that great monologue from Rahul Cooley, who's like when he's, t- the day his mom dies and he's yeah. just like hanging out the fire and he kind of just talks about, nobody talked about, um, they all just talked about how much they liked her. Nobody talked about the bad times, like the times leading up to it when she was like very frail and kind of not out there. And she would, you know, he saw a lot of that and everybody saw it, but nobody brought it up. And he's just like, people didn't realize like how funny she was. They would just say like, oh, she was great. Like that kind of stuff. And it's like funerals are for us to make ourselves feel better about the loss and not so much about like remembering how the they person. really were yeah. the person yeah and like yeah. no matter how hard you try to make it about them and the memory of them a funeral like they're not there right you know in in that sense and that's the kind of sadness of it yeah yeah he's he has one of the the better that scene is one of the better monologues of the of the show i would say for sure and i i like that they're all kind of like the main characters in this series are really like the quote unquote the help and it's all about like who cared for them during their formative years and how like now as adults they are trying to care for other people whether Mm -hmm. it's in a positive or negative way and like how it affects how they treat other people and that goes the same for peter being kind of a shit 
but also not wanting to do what other people did to him, what his dad and mom did to him. Um, and then Owen, like that whole like experience of sort of living for someone else and then realizing that that's going to influence him to go on to have to like do stuff for himself once Hannah's gone, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. And you get the whole backstory with uh, Jamie's parents. You get the backstory yep. of uh, Danny's, mom uh being like an alcoholic uh obviously you get all of peter's uh family trouble but like you do get everybody's kind of uh paternal upbringing and like what they were surrounded by and now they're kind of the people that are in charge of raising these children because henry thomas is out just being being a fucking looney tune in this (laughs) office i love him though he is can we talk about him yeah. yeah, you want yeah, to talk, talk about him? Gremly Thomas. So it's his little like, gremlin version. Oh, I love it. His so smile, like, his smiley Thomas, Mister Smiley. I get why oh. they do these two things in both Hill House and Bly Manor, but they're the two things that they make changes to Henry Thomas. Where it's just like, why did you hire Henry Thomas to do this then, if you had to do these things? And it's the eye color in Hill House, where it's like, I understand that Timothy Hutton has blue eyes you don't need to do that though and if you do need to why did you hire henry thomas either way i'm glad that you did because i like him and in this one it's like well he's english so i guess because they're in england so i guess we'll just have henry thomas do an english accent which he's um he's very unique he has a unique (laughs) approach uh to an english accent i think it's one of the greatest things ever I know that it has nothing to do with U.S. presidents, but we should put it on Mount Rushmore in some way. I don't know how you put a face <laughs> I find on Mount his, Rushmore. But. I find his English accent a lot less distracting than Carlo Cugino's. Right, but Carlo <laughs> Cugino's at least has that storytelling aspect where it's a narrator, so she can kind mm-hmm. of get away with like really leaning into words and 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 like kind of. Uh, like elongating or adding like an elegance to it sounds a like sentence very it's like proper and like good. fancy which is not how jamie sounds no absolutely well and again like on that too is like <laughs> the reason that everybody looks different in the last episode and you know the names are different and stuff is because they're they don't look like or have the same names as the story that's being told because why would she do that if she's telling the story, she wouldn't be like, and you, you were the little girl, your name, you know, kind of thing. Like, And it's like, we're seeing the the story that she's telling, which is what happened. But I think that everybody looks a little different, sounds a little different, has different names um, than what the names actually it's, are. I don't it's think we kind ever... of like the movie version of the Yeah, story. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we ever find out that Carlo Gugino's character's name is Jamie. Yeah. True. We just know that she is the Jamie character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we ever hear, you know, Uncle Henry or Owen, but we know that those are those characters. And then she says, like, my middle name is Flora. Right. Right. Well, it's we, like, oh, we, she just used her I mean, they, name they, in they the also have that great, you know, we'll talk about the last episode sure. when we talk about the last episode, but they have that great turn where it goes from adult version of character to younger versions of the characters to to yeah i shall believe which is like a gut punch (laughs) so sad it's so sad Um, yeah yeah henry thomas uh you know you think that you're peak henry thomas when you're hearing this accent and he's getting drunk and i love him being a little bit of a uh a little uh scum bum dude like a little silly willy but then all of a sudden 
you're introduced to another character played by Henry Thomas, <laughs> which is the Henry Thomas that's in his head. Self-loathing. So, who's just smiling all the Dying time. For and he's just, drink. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. just this, I mean, like, not, no offense. Like, I got a lot of, I got a lot of Tim Irwin vibes off of that version. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, uh, I just, well, he's like everything that his brother says he is secretly, you know, like, it's like that version is like everything that, what was that? That that version exists the moment his brother comes in to tell him off, to to excommunicate him. Yes. And and so it just like, it's the manifestation of that final conversation. Totally. Yeah. It's like the the nasty, self-serving, like, yeah, shit eating grin, all the things. Yeah. And I but I do love the the Charlotte Wingrave mom and how like just completely beautiful she is and like kind of la di da about it, like, oh, whatever are we going to do about this? <laughs> like she's, she has no cares in the world until realizing that the husband knows, mm. you know, like she has no sense of guilt it, that we see. Like she's very much just like, and she, she's, she's calling the shots. Like she's like, no, not here. Don't touch my hand. You know, like she's the one leading the strings and Henry Thomas's, you know, What's what's his uncle? Uncle Henry. Mm-hmm. Henry w- Wingrave is just like the happiest when he's around both of them, which is kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just wants to be part of the team, part of the family. He's so happy until he realizes that all of that is getting taken away. Yeah. 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 And it's like, uh, yeah, go Tim. Oh, I just always for like when I watch this, I always forget who his brother is. Until there's the episode with his brother actually in it, and it's Garth Marenghi. Oh Boys. yeah! Every time I was like, "Oh yes, it's Matthew Holness. It's so good. He's it's yes. so funny." I love it. I love it. I um, mean, on that note too, do you know who plays the the fiance in the last episode? Who's like marrying Flora? I didn't oh, recognize no. him. It's fucking Mark from the Room. Is it? Yeah, it's the guy who plays Mark from The Room. I didn't realize that. It's insane. Like I wow. saw him, I was like, "Hold on, I did. I, I don't so think I realized Mark. it the first time." It's the it's hi it's Mark, the person who is being said hi to. Hi Mark. It's it's crazy. Uh, that's pretty great. I didn't realize that. No, I didn't realize it too until it's I was a weird watching looking it last dude. night. I was like, who the fuck is? I know who that he is. He looks like he should be British, like a weird British dude, but he's not. He's not. No, he's not. Yeah, I think the I think the idea is that Henry Thomas's Uncle Henry takes the kids to America yeah. after they get fucked up at Bly, which is why they don't have British accents. Absolutely. In yeah, the mixed. But then why do you invite your gardener that you don't remember to your wedding? But yeah. you know, they right. seem to be keeping in touch because oh, Owen true. has they that do. scene oh, where yeah, it's like, oh, right. they came in when she was 17. Like they've mm-hmm. been keeping in touch. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the only other people that are and it's like she's there, too. And I don't know if they necessarily invited her or if she kind of showed because everybody else already seems like they're there. Well, it seemed like she was late. There was a chair empty. There was a chair for her. Okay, yeah. But then, like Owen, maybe just didn't know if she was going to come or not. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was Owen's plus one. No, you're right because she does say that they exchanged letters. Yeah. At Uh, some point. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, it, they make it seem like Owen is more of the presence in their lives for the kids, but they must all keep in touch. And, and it seems like, yeah, probably the Uncle Henry keeps in touch with her. Even so Uncle if, Uncle Owen yeah. and, you yeah. know, yeah. Aunt exactly. Jamie sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's sort of like those are the happy memories. And Owen kind of alludes to like the kids remember Hannah, but not in great detail and maybe mm-hmm. that's because she's a ghost. They remember that was the person that was at the house. Yeah. You know, well, they couldn't even, they didn't even remember her name. That's interesting between the two though because the Bly, or the the Hill House kids are there for like 4 months and it's ruined or like 3 months and it's yeah. ruined their entire lives. Yeah. And these kids have that happen for like over the course of like a year or yeah. so. I don't even think it's that they long. Don't remember. Well, I mean, I guess yeah, if you're Peter talking about everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the thing, the difference though, is that the kids in Hill House are always themselves, hmm. whereas like we have these two kids constantly being possessed. Right. I think. And, I think that's a good point. Yeah. And like, like you were talking about earlier about them being tucked away in a memory, and so it's like that concept of kind of like putting the earmuffs on the kid like you're mm-hmm. just being like okay earmuffs the adults are talking now <laughs> you know like we're gonna we're gonna talk about how we're gonna murder and run away and steal so we're just gonna put you in this memory with your mommy yeah and our ultimate plan is that i'll be in this body and then you can be in the little sister of this body and then we can be together that's weird well yes. i think the idea i think that it's sort of like not necessarily that so much as the fact is they need those bodies to leave the property. Right. Because he uh-huh. talks about how he tries to get off the property and he just can't as a ghost. Like he hits. Yeah, he has to be like. He hits that connected. boundary line and yeah. he cannot get out. Mm-hmm. But I don't really understand how that would change with them taking over the kids' bodies. Because it's the, it's the, uh, it's the permanence of it. Oh, it's like, it's got to be yeah. that, you know, uh, it's me, it's you, it's us thing. Yeah, that you have to really, truly let them in. It can't be something temporary like right. what he tries like, with Rebecca. Why does Miles decide that he's okay with that? Well, because Miles is a little stinker. I don't when know. Like their parents are dead. That's the thing is that the they use the leverage of yeah. your parents are dead. And you can hang no out one, with them forever. Yeah, right. Yeah. No one has you now. And if we'll just let you be with your parents again, if you just do this, they don't really know that they're giving up their bodies. Again, That's like true. Kids. You, can, yeah. you can trick kids into a lot of things, unfortunately. It's interesting, though, because Flora wants to be with her parents so much but she's also the one that is like constantly like this isn't right i'm too big Mm -hmm. we've already had this conversation before we don't really have that experience with miles like we don't see miles in a memory witnessing it to really see like does miles realize that he he killed hannah you know, like, right. like he, he snaps too. And he's like, I feel like I was having a weird dream, you know, and then, mm-hmm. but we don't really get that interaction. So I, kn- I know you're saying like Miles is a little stinker, but how much of him being a stinker is Peter? Yeah. You know, yeah, it, he wants to kind of be, I mean, when I say he's a little stinker, like I think to the, you know, how he gets out of the school. Like he comes up with that. Miles isn't in him when he, uh, or rather, uh, Peter isn't in Miles. Like when he figures out, devises a way to get kicked out of the school to go home to be able to help Flora. That's the interesting part. Yeah, and it's the same thing too. Like when he's doing that super fucking creepy ventriloquist thing. Oh, like that is Miles's choice. Like Peter is not in him at that point up until the end when he jumps in and then he gets really creepy. 
it's creepy before that. And that's Miles being like a little weirdo kid. But it makes sense. Like this kid lost his parents. Like suddenly out of nowhere, Owen has that great line where it's like, and I think it's the first episode when he's talking to Danny. It's like, well, how traumatized are they? Uh, or actually, no, I guess it would be in the later episode when he's talking to uh, Bex coming in. Like, how traumatized are they with like what happened? And it's like, as far as they know, their parents just didn't come home. Might have been Peter that said that too. I'm getting it kind of confused. Yeah. In like the car rides up and stuff like that. But it's like. Um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't see a dead body. They didn't see a dead body. They died off. You know, not on the land. Like Flora even says that, like when she's in the cemetery. Yeah, she's like, she's they're like, not here. They're not here. Yeah. Which is very different because Flora is the one that sees the most ghosts. Yeah. Like Miles probably also sees ghosts, but it's a little different than like in Hill House where the kids are constantly all seeing the ghosts all the time. Like mm-hmm. Flora's really the, she's the youngest and she's the most attuned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has her creepy dollhouse right that represents all the ghosts yeah. yeah so she's met all of them and she's the one that even figured it out because she gave them names right they yes. haven't seen you know so she is like the definitely the the medium the kind yeah there. it's yeah. that's kind of another similarity with hill house where it's like the two youngest kids are the ones that get it the hardest because they mm-hmm. seem to be the most open sure you know the most susceptible like in hill house they're the easiest to prey on the and twins, manipulate. yeah and in this one, it's probably like the same kind of thing. Like they're maybe just the ones that are the most, uh, I guess, willing to see them. But like everybody sees Hannah, you know, there's no issue with that. But not everybody sees Peter. Sometimes Miles doesn't even see Peter, but Flora does. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, you can think it's like bad writing or inconsistent and stuff like that. But I think it's like that kind of like inability to cement it down to a rule is what kind of makes it not even just scarier, but just kind of more believable if, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as believable as ghost stories can be. I also like when they start kind of showing us that the ghosts are not even in control. You know what I mean? Like when Peter is still like, Oh, I can be with Bex, even though we're both ghosts. But then he keeps hearing the knocking on his front door and the memory. And he just gets like sucked out, Mm -hmm. you know, so cool. <laughs> That's kind of nice too because it it's it's another reason for like why ghosts are so miserable. Like if you yeah. were, if if, do, if being a ghost meant that you could just do anything and walk through walls, it might not be that bad. You'd just be bored. But like right. they, there's some lack of control that you can't even really keep yourself where you want to be even when you're dead exactly it causes the angst and and that's when ghosts start knocking things off walls because they're mad you know yeah it's exactly it's it's a good explanation it's very cool and then i i like that you know miss jessel is like the the fear and motivation for peter is that miss jessel is starting to kind of lose a sense of who she is and so she's gonna start losing her face you know like she's not gonna be Bex anymore and he's mm-hmm. trying to keep her there and it's it's not unlike you know Owen talking about his mom losing her memory and forgetting who he is and forgetting what's going on and going back to an old memory so it's kind of like that dealing with death as a ghost is a lot like dementia and Alzheimer's which is terrifying sure. to me a lot for a lot of reasons I think about the the scene in the the eighth episode, the one where like you're finding all about the lady in the lake, 
And when, when she's going around killing everybody, and there's that scene of the doctor just like standing on the staircase, he's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, he just he looks so like he's just like watching this woman just drag his body down the stairs. He's like, "What? what, what huh? What did well, I do?" And like Peter has a good moment of that too, though. Like when Peter first dies, and he, uh, when he comes back through the doorway that he just left. Yes, like, it was so good because he's like, that, oh, "I'm I'm fine still. I don't know what that was, but yeah." And hey, the kid, what are you also, doing, kids? Yeah, yeah. Also too, and he doesn't he doesn't understand yet. You know, we right. we kind yeah. of defended Peter in the beginning, which you know there are things in place to defend him, but at the same time. The worst thing that he does, and again, it's part of that kind of possessive love that he has, mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. he goes into Naomi and... Not Naomi. <laughs> not Naomi. <laughs> fuck. I'm sorry, guys. I, so Next. a little... <laughs> Miss Jessel. <clears throat> yeah. I'm on painkillers. Uh, yeah. I was rushed to the ER a few days ago. Mike has a kidney, kidney stone. stone. Um, He's a little out of it. I have to stay. I, I'm doing absolutely fine, but I have to stay on painkillers at all times in case something moves or passes. Uh, and so I have been zonked for like five days straight, and I am truly running out of steam. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, when 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 Peter um, uh, possesses or takes control of Bex mm-hmm. and uh, kills her. Uh, and like it's goes into, up. yeah. but there's that, and that is fucked up all and of its own. And we can talk about that, but I find the most devastating part of that, at least to me and how it's shot is that when she's dying, Peter is looking through her eyes and he's seeing his body at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Mm. And so he's kind of at the same time, you know, cause in their tucked away place where, um, Bex is, is, uh, she's like they're laying in bed and he it's raining outside and he's like looking up and just like not only does he is he aware of like what he's doing that he's trying to hide it from her he's also seeing his body just like lying next to a chest at the bottom of the lake yeah like his dead body and he's just like this is real like this is what's going on kind of thing so there is that kind of again in episode eight like the doctor when when all of the the ghosts that are stuck there kind of accept their fate and like the doctor's is like, well, I guess I'll just put on this creepy mask yeah. that I'm wearing in the background of the first five episodes. Yeah. And and in for when Bex realizes that she's dead too is a really powerful, uh, awful moment too. Because yeah. like she has that realization where she's like, I'm in the memory, but I have control now. Or like, you know, I, I like like she just she pressed start on the controller, you know? And yeah. she's like Yeah. Uh, yeah, she has that awful realization. I know. Too. When you see her like standing on the, the shore and crying, screaming, like, no, knowing that she had no you know, control. Like he totally took away her choice. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask her if she wanted to join him in that way. He well, never gave her the option, really. Right. Well, he did the shitty thing of saying, like, I have a way to yeah. make us be together. Don't you yeah. want to be together? And she yeah. says, Yes, of course I do. And yeah. well, that he gets the tacit permission in his mind to do right. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not like that. He's, he's not yeah. a good guy. Yeah. But in think- any sense, but He's, um, I wouldn't even say he's sympathetic, but the writers go to lengths to make it so that you can at least understand 
think where he's coming from. I think he's the most sympathetic when you have that reveal of how he dies, because like you said, he's he's like the kindest and most shit together. He's maybe right turning before a corner. He's murdered. I mean, we'll never know because he dies and then automatically is like, I shall now hatch a plan to kidnap these children and Whoa. steal their right. souls. But those are, like, those okay, all well, come out of desperation. Sure. Like mm-hmm. those are all like it's how somebody reacts in an emergency or when they're put under pressure, sure. they may be their best or they may be their absolute worst. Yeah. He so, goes back to survival mode. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 I've and been pretty desperate in my life, but I've never considered, considered murder, kidnapping murder. children and yeah. stealing what their What about souls? possession? You've never I mean, considered possessing people? <laughs> people, no. Uh, no. When, I, when I'm usually desperate or depressed, I'll just like possess records and just okay, buy more vinyl records uh, and VHS uh, tapes. Yeah, that's my, yeah. That's my haunting. yeah no i i think but but like you said watching the the replay the groundhog day of him having to talk to his mom and And get it it, that's right before when he steals right like that's that's the money that he steals he was just going to try to make his new life off of the jewelry and shit right yeah his mom is the one that pushes him into the big time yeah, clearing out Henry Thomas's bank accounts. Uh, I, I think, think it's. That's, I think it's my... also like the idea of she's gonna bring the dad back into the in mm-hmm. the picture, and mm-hmm. you get that glimpse of like maybe he wasn't even just physically abused; he was probably sexually abused because he yes. talks about like. How did you, you let me have friends yeah. over? I would have never brought anyone to the house. Like, how would you have just let that happen to me, you know, mm-hmm. and known he was like that? And, yeah, I, oh. I had the, I had thought that it was assumed from that, which your, your, your take also makes sense. And honestly, it could be either one. They kind of, all points lead to the exact same ending. But yeah. I thought that that was like, she had pretty much cleaned him out. Like he was making money. He, he could afford suits. He could afford all these things. He was making money, but not a large amount. And that his mom just showed up and kind of cleared him out of like what he was saving up mm. to possibly do. And mm. at that point he became a little bit more desperate and was just like, well, I don't she- have the time to commit to making all that money back and even yeah. that wasn't enough i just need to make a big break well she That's, was she's also threatening it's, he's desperate to make more yeah. money she was threatening him yeah. to continue that it wasn't gonna be like a one-time clear peter out i think that it was gonna I, be like you need to I take that care that's of also me why they, he wants to run away to america is like he wants to no escape matter how much his parents money yeah. i keep making they're just gonna keep showing up i need to disappear yeah I, I feel like it was a singular event because mm-hmm. I feel like in one of the times that he is sort of uh, trapped in this memory and mad at his, the last time he's mad at his mom, he says, I did what you wanted me yes. to do. So uh, I think I think yeah. he did commit a, a specific crime for uh, her okay. after that moment. That's That was my interpretation. But that yeah, makes it's, sense. It is the same ending. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I think it, to me, I, it was a little confusing that they... He doesn't really talk about ever cleaning out the one of the accounts. He just is sort of doing like these low low tier like yeah. fencing thefts the whole time right. to try yeah. and like just get by. You know? Yeah, he's like, oh, expensive necklace, boom. You know, of a dead person too. Right. He's not actively because he likes Henry Thomas. He's not actively like trying to rip him off. He just doesn't right. care if he steals from these dead people. He also like he's taking <laughs> advantage. Like he's never like 
out and out trying to to hurt somebody else in his mind. Like he's just like, they're dead. They're not using it. Henry Thomas has no concept of the inventory of what's left. He's not coming here. He's never going to come here because it's too much of a, a burden for him to remember, you know? So he's just like, Meh, what's me skimming a little jewelry off the top right. of the box? Yeah. Yeah. If and I'm not being re- adequately compensated, I'll, you know, right. I'll, I'll take what I need. You know? Yeah. And it's and it's only Hannah that's making a stink about it, which is why Hannah ends up getting murdered. So, well, and because Hannah has more collect- connection to the parents yes. than Henry Thomas, you know, yeah, she she it's disrespectful of them because, you know, the, she she liked them. Yeah, what is, uh, they took care of her. Peter and yeah. Miles is just like, you just couldn't leave well enough alone. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. God, they're, they're so creepy. The kids are Really, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, when he's just like, really, Hannah. You know, he's always like, yeah, you can... When he's just trying to tell her, like, that she's in a dream, like, really, you don't know what's going on, but, like, in a what much meaner way. Yeah. Nasty. Like, oh, fuck. You're like, fuck you, little Miles. <laughs> But then when when you see him like break that kid's arm or or he hurts his arm when he's like fighting that kid and you're just like Jesus he's, he's going to murder back. somebody he's get back to the house he's come home miles scary drawings of mm-hmm. of bent neck slash lady of the lake mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man well let's take a quick break uh, we'll hear from one of our wonderful podcast sponsors and we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into those latter episodes and that awesome final episode, which Tim correctly has said is like one of the best finale episodes in a series. And I agree. So, yeah. All right. So we'll be right back, guys. I'm going to take a quick break for more Freaking Out with Flanagan, Bly Manor. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, which is Nature's Pantry. Nature's Pantry is an alternative grocery store that has been serving our friends and neighbors in the Hudson Valley for over 30 years. With two over 10,000 square feet locations in both Fishkill and New Windsor, they aim to meet the needs of every healthy diet and lifestyle. They offer an extensive selection of items for gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, keto, and paleo diets, along with a wide variety of healthy and clean alternatives to whatever you might find at any conventional chain supermarket. Each location has a deli serving prepared foods daily, an eco-friendly bulk department, extensive body care and supplement departments, as well as the largest organic produce departments in Orange and Dutchess counties in New York. For more information, visit naturespantryhv.com. All right, and we're back uh, with Story Screen Presents, freaking out with Flanagan, and we're talking about Haunting of Bly Manor. And, uh, well, guys, we're we're nearing the end. Anything you want to talk about before we talk about that last episode? Let me check. That banger of the uh, last I mean, episode. I did mention that I was uh, taken to the ER earlier this week, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that you know I've been not only watching Bly Manor, but I've been like kind of like reading about it and watching videos on it, and kind of just like getting my thoughts together on it. Which you know, a, a lot of it kind of deals with um, you know love and death and grief and stuff like that and one of the questions they ask you like before you're admitted to the er is like 
and I'm like, when this is happening, like I'm in so much pain and I'm on painkillers. I'm extremely zonked, uh, as I am now. And one of the questions they ask is like, have you been thinking about death? Cause they have to ask you stuff like that before going to the ER, like what they're going to prescribe you and stuff like that. Are you like, are you having any like, you know, because they were giving you painkillers? Yeah. Like, you know, they got to ask you, like, have you been contemplating? they don't ask you that every ER visit. No, I mean, they asked me, um, you know, like, I think it was more along the lines of like, uh, they were like, have you had any thoughts of like self-harm or been thinking about death recently, like before you're admitted? I don't know. Uh, I think that's because you were being prescribed pretty heavy painkillers. Exactly. Colors. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like when they said that, like I kind of hesitated at first because I was like, well, I have been thinking about death a lot lately just because I've been watching <laughs> Blind Manor, but I don't think that that applies to what she's asking. So I answered no. You answered Sometimes a ghost is a wish. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is confetti. Uh, the doctor is like, oh yeah, Flanniverse. I'm into that too. Flanniverse. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, man. I uh, I definitely had less memory of the what happened immediately after the viola lady of the lake grabs Danny Mm -hmm. by the throat. I was kind of trying to remember what exactly transpires after that on rewatch. My memory was sort of fuzzy because I was like, Hannah does try and help, but she can't because she's not a physical human being. Mm -hmm. She's a ghost. So she can only do so much. Um, And it is pretty heartbreaking when it's just like she tries to warn Jamie and Owen when they come back and then that's it. She's gone and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's the last time anybody sees her. You know, and like it it hit me harder on the rewatch when she's just like, you got to go to the lake. And then he turns around and she's gone. Like they don't get to say goodbye. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, wow. ah. yeah, I didn't pick that up. That's awesome. That's you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like the next time they see her is they see her body at the bottom of the well. Mm-hmm, and you're just mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, there is something too to like Henry, like in a previous episode is like, I'm going to the house because I need to help. And I right. drank too much, but it does not matter. And, yeah. And he gets there and it's like. He doesn't die because he's able to be resuscitated and come back, but he's he literally close. does just show up and he's like, put her down. I say to you now, madam, put her down. And yeah. just gets like grabbed and killed Joke immediately. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. tell me that that's not. And then he's just standing there like, oh shit. Yeah, because you see his ghost. Yeah, well, because he dies very briefly, like between life and death, as, as it's said by the narrator. Uh, and he sees Hannah and Hannah like, gives him a message to give to Owen right before he's like brought back. To so look in the well. that's kind of the connection that he gets where it's like, he not only saw the lady in the lake, but then he also saw Hannah afterwards and saw that he was like dying and becoming this ghost trapped to that plane as well. Uh, that kind of gives him the connection because he's never really at the house throughout the, like the, the crux of like the ghost story. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't, doesn't know he doesn't about any of the ghosts. Yeah. Like the ghosts for him are similar to Danny's ghost, their memories mm-hmm. and guilt. Yeah. And it's why know? he doesn't want to go back. Uh, Cause he's, yeah, he has the yeah. guilt of the ghosts of his brother and his uh, sister-in-law, whom also was his lover. His love. His Scandalous. Love. His that beautiful is, love. 
That is funny to think about from that perspective and that we've been with the ghosts and everything the whole time and Henry Thomas shows up and is like, what's going on here? And yeah. just gets killed Wait, by the like, ghost. I, I demand that you put that child down in this yeah. instant. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with this lady's face, but... Right. Uncle Henry! And he's like, no, you know. But I, I do love the like... Uh, the internal ghost of like evil Henry Thomas, who's like, me too. Call, he's like, oh, you're just hoping she'll pick up and be floor residence, you know? <laughs> like he just like says that to her like twice, where he's just like taunting regular Uncle Henry, being like, mm, floor Ooh, residence, Scotch and bourbon tonight. Yeah, aren't <laughs> we tying one off? Yeah. Oh man, it's so good, and like the realization that. He himself did not know that Flora was his daughter. Yeah, it's, that is crazy that he didn't put that together. Is particularly heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is it supposed to be like he never drank until that moment when they left? I mean, I'm sure he. Or is it supposed took to be like. here and there, but I think this is like a downward spiral. But he wasn't the alcoholic. No, no. I think it was like the event that happened. You know, because his, his brother does say to him the last time they meet, he's just like, um, you'll never see me again, but what you will see is, yeah, you know, that, that person inside of you, not this person in front of me that you're pretending to be, but that person inside of you with that shit-eating grin, yeah. thinking mm-hmm. that you're getting away with everything, and that's like when... Well, he's also saying, like, you'll never see like, you'll never ooh. see Flora again. Like, yeah. she might be your child, but she's my child in all the ways that matter, he yes. says. Right. Like, yeah, because he raises her, and like, yeah. yeah. Brutal. He might have been your father, boy, but he weren't your daddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, is, it is a bit of Guardians too, mm-hmm. for sure. I had daddy issues, you know, come on. There's daddy I'm issues. A there's a lot of daddy issues in Flanagan, and there's a lot of religious guilt and mm. grief. Well, I mean, on that too, it's like <laughs> one of the interesting things coming from like Flanagan, the Flanagan retrospective, which is you know the overall encompassing point of this uh, series. You know, this is you know he wrote and directed every episode of Hill House, right? Not and in this, this you know, he is um, the showrunner. Uh, writes some of the episodes, but for the most part, this is kind of handled more like a typical kind of series where there's a writer's room and a collection of directors. Um, uh, you know, one of them being uh, Kira Foy, uh, who is a uh, horror filmmaker, and the most important one uh, who directs the final episode, E.L. Katz. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is um, a really, really awesome indie uh, horror filmmaker. Is made like it's loads cheap of thrills, movies. right? Cheap, he, cheap thrills is like his biggest uh, kind of. Cheap thrills is good. Yeah. Have you seen Cheap Thrills, Tim? No, that, I don't think that so. That movie will fuck Fantastic you up. movie. Go and watch that, man. That is. Woo. I was like, I was thinking about it's it. It's a cringy movie, but it's really good. Falling asleep last night because I like rewatched it and I was really noticing a lot of like the kind of E.L. Katz isms in it, which he's he's very good at just like people talking and like the dialogue because of how it's like shot and cut together and the music that's chosen kind of having double or triple meanings and kind of creating uncertainty. Um, he's very good in that. He's a very thrilling director when it comes to horror in that regard. And that's kind of exactly what that last episode needs is because you essentially have to unpack like that episode is just over 50 minutes long and essentially 20 minutes into it, the story of Bly Manor 
as we have come to know it as like the ghost story at Bly Manor comes to a close. Mm. And then the remaining half an hour is what happens after Danny and Jamie's life and like the kind of continuation of the haunting of this person. Yeah. 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 Uh. It's very good. And like, so in like on that sense, it's like, this is a much more hands off uh, Flanagan. It's kind of a lot like midnight club, you know, in regards to like what we've covered so far in like that, Flanagan I mean, was very hands-off on that as far as, like, directing. Not to that extent. I think you can feel Flanagan's hand on this a lot more. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Midnight Club is very much, like, episodic that each episode has a different feel. Yeah. Because it's also a different story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I like mean, a di- it's like reading chapter books. Those are very d- isolated, even though there is, like, a continuing th- And also, theme. too, like, to what Tim said earlier, like, these episodes kind of almost feel like you could watch them out of order and still kind of get the crux of, like, what's happening, because they have a lot of episodes that fall into, like, well, this is a flashback episode centering on this person. It's not as, like, uh, making up a word here, chaptorial, chaptororial, chapter-based, uh, <laughs> than as Midnight Club but there is this kind of like, I feel like he's maybe doing that because, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Netflix kind of pressed him to do another haunting after the success of Hill House. And I feel like maybe he was a little worn out. He's yeah. talked about how like Hill House like really wore him out because he really committed to like doing every episode. And he's like, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that again. Well, I think it's also a trust issue. Yeah. Yeah. And he learned to like kind of give over to other people to be able to maybe come up with. Uh, more unique ideas that maybe he was feeling a little like burnt out after doing something so similar for so long. Mm. This one doesn't have the bells and whistles that Hill House does. You know, like Hill House has like just the the directorial like mm-hmm. razzle dazzle of, yeah. of Flanagan. Yeah. You yeah. know, doing you know the one take, you know, two storms episodes and yeah. all. Like this one is much more of just like a serviceable. It's story based and and less like cinematic inter I mean sure. it still looks great and is is very good to watch but it doesn't have quite like the flourish that yeah. that Hill House does. Its strength is the interpersonal relationships between the actors. So the ensemble right. is what makes this so baller whereas and Hill less House about the was craft. Like, yeah. yeah. Hill House was like holy shit they built this elevator to film them <laughs> running down the stairs and uh-huh, you know like uh-huh. yeah you're totally right there's a lot less of that. Yeah, that's the kind. That's the the um, you know the 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 or the uh, the auteur theory mm-hmm. kind of stuff where it's like you got a guy that like wrote it. He's directing every episode, and even though there's so so many people involved in every episode, like hundreds and hundreds, it is kind of of one piece because he's kind Holy of there shit. to like just keep it all together. So I just clicked on the IMDb for the kid that plays Miles, mm-hmm. and he's the he's Pinocchio in the in the Tom Hanks. Tokyo. Great. I had no idea. Fantastic. Now I might watch that because I think it would be really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it looks like he also plays the young Alex Burgess in uh, The Sandman uh, when he's like a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that would make sense in the Netflix family. Okay. Yeah. Pnook. Yeah, well, a, there was a the year of Pinocchio. Remember, the year of Pinocchio. Father, I want to be on my own. <laughs> <laughs> the year of our Lord Pinocchio. <laughs> but yeah, Tim, final episode. What else? What else? I you mean, get? 
It's oh, such man. a uh, we love a Faustian bargain and oh, like yes. the, the bargain that she makes to save Flora and get her, you know, six or seven years of, of love to yeah. then be to be in like hell basically after that to just yeah. I mean, not as bad because there's less wrath. The late the wrath of the Lady of the Lake is gone, but she still is gonna like lose her face and just kind of like wander around eventually. Yeah, but it's interesting, too, because like she gets to have the love, but there's always the constant lingering fear, Mm -hmm. whereas like there's got to be some sense of relief when she finally goes back to Bly and just takes care of Biz, you know? Yeah, right. Especially in the later part of it, because she does get some good years where they're fine. But then like towards the end, she's really losing it. Like she knows that she's there just behind, you know, she's like, I can see her. She's always watching me. But then she gets to a point where she's like accepting it. She's like, I'm not even scared of her anymore. But she's so exhausted. She's always like so tired, Mm -hmm. which, which is sort of like accepting your own death and mm-hmm. it's so sad it's very sad <laughs> it's so sad yeah it, the, but, the, the the idea of you know death following you at all times like even if you want to remove like the like the the mental kind of um like 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 mental health aspect of the whole thing where it's just like the idea of grief and suicide and all of that stuff kind of haunting people that might be depressed or have gone through traumatic situations that feel like they can't move on. Removing all of that, you know, it's like everybody's going to die and some people just not being able to live to their fullest because they're just kind of like, I'm going to lose this. And that's like a metaphor too for like relationships and everything where she's just like, I don't deserve this Mm. because of what I've done. I don't deserve to be happy with you because of what I've done. That's playing a lot with like, you know, you know, the bright eyes ghost and stuff. And it's like every time she slightly gets close to letting Jamie in, in those earlier moments, like he pops up. It's just like, (laughs) it's, you know, she's been made to feel guilty of her own, uh, like attraction to people and like being honest with herself because of hiding it for so long. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's got that great line that's just like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, where there's just like, I know that we can't get married really. Well, but when, when the we show can wear the released, rings and we'll know yeah. kind of thing. You're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, right. The world sucks. Ah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, these people aren't allowed to just be happy. Yeah. I love yeah. Jamie is so, it's like Jamie's the perfect, uh, the perfect character for this too. She's such a, like I love like just a cool tomboy like her in a show. She's great and in real life, um, yeah. Well, like that the introduction of them when when Danny starts working at the house and she says that like the gardener just like walks in, doesn't even say hi to her. Is like a little yeah. bit a little bit rude at first, <laughs> and you're just like. I see. You. I see what's coming. I see. I see what's coming. <laughs> and it makes it makes sense too that like a gardener would be the type of you know like getting like very basic thematic stuff was like a gardener would be the right type of person to be able to tend to the needs of this person who is who needs to be kept alive who needs mm-hmm. to be given a reason to keep going. And she does have. Oh, you go. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 go. She does have one of the weaker monologues, I think. Like, her her big moment is Jamie. a little too yeah. overwrought. I, yeah. As much as I love that character and that performance, and I love the writing of the show, that was a monologue where I kind of felt myself slipping out 
at one point yes. and I, I felt guilty about it. I was yeah. just like, oh, whoops. Like I didn't look, pick up my phone and look at it or anything, but I was just kind of like, wait, what did she just say? I feel like I need to rewind it. Hold on. I like, don't like people much. Flowers yeah. Much. Yeah. Just yeah. like, all right. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Flowers I mean, are better than people. Yep. I got it. <laughs> it was also funny too. Like uh, there's the, the moon flower scene. Diana was just like, those are fake. Like it's during like this very, very That's character like the- driven yeah. and much needed moment. That's going to pay off in the last episode. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> she was just like, those are fake. It was a plastic. They wouldn't look like that. Look at how they look. And I was just it's like, just is this so... how it sounds when I'm talking about? Like, can't believe it. That was just edited like that. Oh, well, my God. Look at the blocking. And then it's not even like a, a plant nerd person calling it out. It's like they're like a silk flower from Michael's yeah, or they, they Hobby Lobby. You like, like the leaves, the branches are plastic. Like, I'm like, they could have just gotten a real plant. It doesn't have to specifically even be a moonflower. No one would know. Yeah. But it could be a real real plant you know and we'll find out it was actually a real plant and it, they yeah. just like overdid <laughs> it, it too like much shit, and it looked yeah. like shit. they just like lacquered it they spray painted it yeah that's fine i was just like oh, moonflower moon i was flower. like oh god <laughs> when it's in the little cup at the end is that a moonflower i'm like at least it doesn't have any leaves takes a lot of care poppins takes a lot <laughs> easy poppins yeah oh man <laughs> Uh, but where, her, what's the moment in the final episode? You said you, you cried like a baby. Like, what's the moment that... Like a butt? That, like a what? Like, like, a, like a baby. Like a yeah. baby. Like a little baby. No, no. You said that you... I you know, That last episode always gets me, too. And it's, for whatever reason, it's when she comes in with the potted plant with the ring in the bottom. That's oh. right. The start. Yeah. Well, I don't know where you where it hits you. Um, Probably in, like, that, that very first... Uh, it's another potted plant is brought in. It's when they're at the flower shop, it's only been about a year. Mm. Uh, and she brings in the moon flower mm. and she says, um, uh-uh. so I've got some bad news. He's just like, I'm crazy about you. Yeah. I'm not even tired not, of you a little I'm not, bit. I'm not sick of you. Not even a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that kind of thing because you know what's coming. And even yeah. on the first watch. Because you like, saw that reflection in the door. Yeah. You know what's coming. Like, yeah. you know that like, this is not going to end the way that we would love it to, which is that these people are together forever and that's everybody. And that's why Flora's adult version has like that line where she's just like, I'm just so nervous that he's going to die before me. Like that's one of the biggest fears of like giving yourself over to somebody so completely that you love truly and absolutely. And you depend on one another and you're just kind of like, well, unless there's some kind of terrible accident that kills us both at the same time, one of us is going to die first. Right. And that's kind of ultimately what that last 30 minutes of the show is about. For me, it's like the first time I watched it, obviously, I was a lot more emotional response. Like when Jamie first dives into the water oh, and, man. S- and sees... Danny at the bottom and she screams while she's underwater. Yeah, she's trying to do that, the spell. Yeah, yeah like and like that, that. Yeah, that that really was gut punch for me. But then when I I think I rewatched the final episode by myself after the first time you and I watched the series. And what always gets me is that very end of that last episode, which kind of is to the point of your, like, somebody's going to die first, is Carlo Gugino 
sad hotel room Carla Gugino. So like her going back to her room, turning the sink on, filling the bathtub, moving the chair, that made me sob. And then when you get that like Danny ghost hand on the shoulder, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, fuck, fuck you, Flanagan, <laughs> fuck you. I was just like, cause I was already crying a lot by that point. Cause it's sort of that like sad carry on, like you had happiness once, but now you just gotta chill till you die. Good luck out there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, the stuff, it's the stuff that Flanagan does that was why I like him so much as like a writer and like this kind of like thematic, metaphorical, like how well he is able to kind of create entertainment that's fun to watch and pretty fucking cool and looks good and also has like these very simple ideas to it that are universal. You know, like, like everybody gets fucking sad and feels like nobody believes them. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants love and wants it to last forever and sometimes feel like they're not worth it. And it's like that entire kind of like Jamie Danny dynamic at the end is just super fucking sad because it is true that it's like it's not always going to last forever one day at a time kind of thing like you just have to kind of accept the fact that yeah. it's not going to last forever and she's like do, do you we... want company while you're waiting for yeah. your lady yeah. <laughs> you know you're just like <laughs> company do you want company mm -hmm. while you wait <laughs> the like... gardener could not reach the au pair Oh, that's good. That was a good. That one. was good. Thanks, that's man. why she doesn't sound like Jamie at the end. She sounds like she's like, now I've gone to private school. I like all of these <laughs> accents. I, you guys did in Midnight Club. I couldn't stand the girl in Midnight Club. Which one? Oh, yeah. you're talking about the Scottish Which girl one? in the wheelchair? Yeah. yeah. I just let go wrong. Yeah, I yeah, but that I'm not fucking sad. Uh, I'm going to fucking die. I think that that's her actual voice. It is. That's I, the thing. Is that it's I think that like, that actress that is actually Irish, but it was too much. And I think she's coming to House of Usher. I think she's that is actress she? is in House. Okay. Of I mean, Usher. I feel like House of Usher is like like the end game. It, it's like a dream team. Yeah, they're they're bringing a lot of people back. That, yeah. Yeah, is know. House of Usher going to have a staircase in the middle? Usher, 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 I sure Usher. So. I don't know. I would, I would think. I mean, all so far, every Flanagan series has centered around a staircase. Yeah. Well, Midnight Mass. Is there a staircase in Midnight oh, Mass? Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that one. Yeah. I mean, on that too. Like I was talking about, like my favorite ghost in this is. I mean, there's a pulpit, so there is sort of like a rise and fall, and it's not the sure, same as yeah. a staircase, but yeah. it is sort of Stairs. like a. Yeah. But like Midnight and, and Hill House yeah, all absolutely. have like almost the same stairs. Oh, grand manners, yeah, yeah. yeah. entranceways. Yeah. Creepy homes. Yeah. What do they call that? I don't the, know. That first room that you walk into Atrium? in a manor. Foyer. Yeah. It's something like that. Foyer. Yeah. Foyer kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, th on that too, like my favorite ghost in Hill House is Bent Neck Lady, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that one kind of makes sense because that is the most popular ghost. That is like the kind of, that is like the, the not the big bad, but that's the big ghost that runs the most through. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. obviously in Blind Manor, that specific example is the lady in the lake, the one that runs the most Viola. through that's kind of like the bad guy. But I love Bright Eyes. Uh, and... In Midnight Mass, like I love, without getting into specifics, like I love the um, like the the the, the blue and red strobing ghost. Oh, oh yeah, 
Well, one, even though, like, obviously, we know who the big kind of uh, supernatural force in that show yeah. is, like who, like who the actual mm-hmm. big bad is, and is in that. So I'm kind of excited to see what other types of ghosts are going to be placed into the fall of House of yeah. Usher, and yeah. who's going to be the one that has like the most well, like a cool cinematic look, a cool technique that he starts in Bly that he uses again in Midnight Mass is like that camera change where Henry Thomas is like on the couch and then the scary version of him is like above Mm -hmm. and they do that again with Midnight Mass where um, Zach Guilford's character is sort of like laying in bed and you see those red and blue lights and it's just so cool. That's also Hill House uh, because the bent neck lady is hovering over. No, it's just just like a cool through line of these weird like ways to interpret somebody not escaping from something that scares the shit out of them mm-hmm. and how disorienting it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about Midnight Mass very much. I've only watched that the one time. Me so too. I would like to watch it again. So I think cool. I watched the last episode twice. Yeah. Uh, just because again, yeah. like, you know, that's the thing is like, I feel like why Flanagan was so successful on the Netflix shows is just like, he's able to stick the landing. Even if people kind of like one overall more than the other, or one does better than the other. With the exception of Midnight Club, obviously. Like, he's able to just, like, stick the landing in the finale in all of these things by Mm -hmm. just, like, not only closing out the story and making it all connect, but just kind of giving you this good hour of TV that kind of makes you feel like every all the time that you just spent and the emotion that you invested was worth it. Mm. Which not every show can do, especially limited series that really only have, like, 10 episodes to be able to do. And that, that's off the strength of those monologues. Like, I, yeah. like a lot yes. of it. Like, yeah. not even uh, kidding. Yeah. Some people yeah. would think that you were kidding right there. But yeah, like that we, we're, we're monologue. No. We're pro monologue on this show. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love it. I, no one can tell me shit about them. I, they're yeah. great. But the, like, and, and the one in Midnight Mass is like, just thinking about it is like, cause that's probably my, that might've moved down to number three now for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that ending of it is really beautiful and really yeah. caps it off. And it's like, Okay, yeah, this is good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it kind of, it lends itself almost like theater, but with Kate Siegel's monologue in that, I mean, we'll talk about that when we we do Midnight Club. I mean, uh, Midnight Mass, but Mm -hmm. yeah. It's good good writing. More more hot Raul Coley. Mm -hmm. We'll get more of that. Even hotter. I uh, really, I I think he's more love, addition because he's got I the mustache. I love him in this. Sure, sure, sure. I love him in this because he's soft. Yeah, I like a bad. I like a bad boy. He's less. A, he's a less obvious daddy in this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. And he, he looks older in this one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they gray him up a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the big uh, stash. The, yeah. The, the the silly sweaters. <laughs> yeah. I love it. He he was he was definitely a good pickup to the Flanniverse. For totally. Sure. Who would you like to see in Fall of the House of Usher that we're maybe not going to see? I would kind of like uh, to see Victoria Pedretti again. She hasn't been oh, back. Oh, she got... She I think she is in it. Again. I think she is in it. I, don't I think know like she Victoria Pedretti and... Oliver Cohen... Oliver Jackson yeah, I don't Cohen. Think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think he's either. in it at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't think him or Victoria Pedretti have been back. Um, I like the actress Amelia Eve that plays Jamie. I would like to see her again. Tania Miller's definitely in... Usher, that I know. Okay. Are you yeah, looking Mark it up? Hamill's in it. Well, Mark Hamill's <laughs> totally in it, yeah. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Bruce Greenwood? 
Hell yeah. Mark Hamill as the Joker is in it. Yeah, yes. of course. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a huge cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe the, those uh, those uh, Hill House Bly Manor alums are not really in it, at least not in major roles. It's possible that they might like pop up, you know? Uh, Kate's, uh, Kate's the main one, right? Uh, uh, what's her name? Who Annabeth Gish is in it. Annabeth oh. Gish is in it. I like her. Uh, Carla Gugino and Willa Fitzgerald are like, looks like they're the two top build. Who's Willa Fitzgerald? She uh, new? She's new. She's new. She was in the Scream show. Oh, she's new though. I, yeah. To Flanniverse. Mm-hmm. She was in The Goldfinch. She was? The Goldfinch. I saw that. Not memorable. But the book is very good. <laughs> oh, she was in that sh- uh, that movie Beach House that I watched from a few years ago. That was like... Uh, I did not watch that. Yeah, that's got Murray Bartlett in it. Uh, oh, our, love, our cutie patootie. I love Murray Bartlett. Yeah, fun. All right. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Tim, you got anything else on your noty notes over there? Uh, I don't Me think neither. so. I think, I think we we're pretty good. much covered it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for rallying, Mike, on your pain medicine journey. <laughs> thank you, Tim, for joining us from upstate. Always a pleasure. Well, Happy to be here. Excited to have you anytime you want. And uh, yeah, guys, this isn't the only Story Screen Presents podcast, so check out storyscreenpresents.com. There is a link to follow us. It has all of our various social media accounts on there, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you name it. And you can go to the content tab. You'll have links to all the podcasts and to all of our articles and reviews. Follow us on social if you want to do some in-person events. We've got a lot of cool, fun, free movie screenings, paid movie screenings, pop-up events, benefits, lots of stuff in the work for this summer. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again maybe in a month or so for another Freaking Out with Flanagan episode. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Get spooky again sometime. Spookies. Bye. Bye. Bye.